on tonight's episode the kaisedo derby was missing well kaisedo kdb how big a miss is he going to be for manchester city and that united penalty shout all this and much more in the docky taka podcast good evening ladies and gentlemen welcome back to the second episode of the docky taka podcast season 2 This week we discuss the Kaisedo derby fans of Rajshree Productions might ask Kaisedo Kaisedo and uh, the United game was it a penalty or was it just two men tumbling into each other in the middle of a WWE ring uh, we discuss the professional Newcastle performance city are back as is Haaland but is KDB out for long any transfer news and speculation i think a couple of our panelists have been wishing for Harry Maguire to leave that seems to have hit a roadblock a fridge size roadblock if i may and then we also preview the games that are coming up over the weekend so without further ado i'll introduce the panelists we've got ashwin we've got radha ji and we've got rk today boys how have you been the first weekend has happened as someone who did not watch any of the games are there any talky points you want to highlight ashwin let's start with you uh yeah uh Uh, two moments for me swag uh, also belated happy birthday uh, to our to our host uh, so uh, kane still hasn't won a trophy <laughs> so that happened uh, after our you know spurs rants last week i think we jinxed him so much that he ended up losing the 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 deutschland pokal as well uh and the other other moment for me was aside from the united one obviously we'll go into that um isaac's goal what a marvelous goal that was like it was almost like theory on on re like it it was so audacious that chip over the keeper over the defender and newcastle were on fire so i think that is definitely my talky moment of the week radha ji how has it been for you a draw at samford bridge a familiar tale as for the last few seasons yeah i mean that makes it sound like everything this was just a normal week this has been the most crazy abnormal never seen before kind of weeks uh, that i've ever experienced uh yeah result was as expected i think when the draw came out a long time ago i looked at it and said ha huh, this wouldn't be a bad opening weekend draw uh and it was one i expected a nil nil as we've seen for the last four games but it was at least a one one very very entertaining game so happy about that from a talky point uh, talky moment point of view um isaac was one of mine uh, that i was thinking about as well um i i think there were a, the luis diaz goal was great as well we'll come to the liverpool game caicedo i'm sure we'll get there uh but i'll go with kdb i think uh, that's a huge one early on in the season and first weekend where we've seen too many big injuries in my opinion like crazy amount of jurian timber went down tyrone mings went down kdb definitely will be the biggest one of of the lot and finally rk what's it going to be for you are you fi- going to go for the united non penalty or rather the wolves non penalty no that was uh, you know you know hands down so to say a penalty for me So I won't talk about that as my talky uh, moment of the week. I I will pick out one really good individual piece of skill uh, that has stuck with me since the game week 
that's Martinelli on the first uh, Arsenal goal, uh, which Nicolia scored. Uh, coming down the left wing, doing the like a marvelous swivel, and with that swivel, he uh, you know executes a flick pass. So that's the moment of the week for me. True Brazilian, uh, you know, samba style, and uh, I think I would also uh, you know uh, like to talk about the McAllister uh, pass to Salah. That was also another exquisite uh, piece of passing. I thought. Okay, Doc. Right. Let's get into it. I think there were. Um... Assertions during uh, the build-up to the first game that um, a WWE-style custody match between Liverpool and Chelsea might be in order to decide who gets Moises Caicedo or something like a gender reveal where he finally pops a confetti cannon which is either red or blue in colour. It seems that Chelsea have, not it seems, he's been unveiled. So Chelsea have won the race to call Caicedo one of their own. But this was, as Radha said, this was a crazy week, right? I think the game was overshadowed by everything that happened around it with Caicedo, with Lavia, what's happening. Coming to the game, Radhaji, how was it? Yeah, so let's start with the football on the pitch and then we can come to um, a much more dire conversation. I thought the game was absolutely superb. Probably the game of the weekend for me uh, to watch as a as a fan I think 90 minutes, it was non-stop action. From a Liverpool point of view, first 25-30 minutes, we really it, it, it really gave me a lot to be positive about. Uh, I was worried looking even before the teams were announced, after the teams were announced, starting with McAllister and Sobozlai as the only midfielders who were playing in midfield and Gakpo being a forward who was playing in midfield, I was a little worried. Uh, but we started off the... The, the game just amazingly. I think McAllister and Sobozlai have been two amazing signings. I have to remind myself that when we come to the topic of signings later on. Uh, but McAllister and Sobozlai look like they've been really astute signings. They have so much energy. Their technical ability is through the roof. Immediately, you could see what Liverpool have been missing in their midfield for the last how many ever years. Uh, we have bits and pieces of it with Thiago, but it's always been Thiago along with, say, Henderson or Milner or somebody else. So... Um, the skill level of that midfield and the energy and the pressing. We didn't get to see too much of the pressing because I think both were playing a little deeper than they would have liked to have played. And hopefully when we sign a six, that will get corrected and we'll push both of them a little bit forward, closer to the opposition box and then they'll be a real handful. They're both pressing machines. Um, I think where it went wrong was after Salah scored the offside goal, I think we kind of just let Chelsea back into the game. And how we did that is I think we took a step back on everything. We didn't go for uh, the aggressive uh, we didn't go for the aggressive tackle or the aggressive press. We kind of dropped back and with such a front foot team that we played, I don't think it was the right idea at all. Chelsea, my God, um, I didn't expect them to be I expected them to be good because I, I've been keeping an eye on the preseason and uh, it looked they looked like they were on you know on the I was actually really afraid of Mudrick and I was delighted that he didn't start. Uh, but I expected them to be dangerous. But Enzo, man, I, this is w- one of the performances I've seen in a long, long time. I'm getting a throwback to the World Cup when we were talking about his performances in the World Cup, where he just bowed us completely. Uh, 105 million later, a lot of pressure of the price tag. I think he really showed his worth um, in the in the league. He was just unplayable. I, I every he was press resistant. He was. Uh, playing amazing passes on the first touch. He was running into the box. He almost set up a goal for them. 
um just just an amazing game from him i think he was the player of the match by a distance overall really good game to watch uh, liverpool played really well to start off with some positive signs there we'll only get better as the season goes on our attack looks really frightening um so yeah positives and um, i hope we get that six so uh, we can tie up some things at the back as well yeah i think i agree like i think the the disallowed goal was the turning point in the game right because at that point you you, you thought that liverpool are going to run away with it had they gone to nil up uh, i don't think you know uh, chelsea would have gotten the energy to even come back uh, we spoke about it in the last pod um, and we know how pochettino really likes his full backs i think kilwell also had a really good game um, he he was just like he just came alive uh, after after that after that first goal went in and i agree with radha i think uh, enzo fernandez had had a had a game of a lifetime uh, it it seems that pochettino they were listening to pochettino and his tactics it does feel that suddenly that you know this team that everyone had written off with with the game that that they have had now with liverpool and some of the trans, uh, transfers that they have uh, they have made with uh, casado potentially lavia as well or slavia confirmed already um they they definitely seem to be the team to beat uh so i think kudos to chelsea for that as well uh, it was a very entertaining game especially the first half the second half not so much but definitely a good watch since you guys have discussed the football you know in so much detail i i you know i want to come back to my favorite topic of these two teams that's the transfer saga like i just have a question or you know something which is baffling me is you know with respect to both caicedo and lavia what's it that has suddenly become you know so unattractive about liverpool and so attractive about you know chelsea like like why would both players uh, you know choose chelsea something which i am uh, like kind of beating me because lavia might not even be first choice uh, you know with this uh, like having bought enzo having bought uh, you know caicedo two players above 100 million that they can't draw uh like i am not for one able to understand why lavia would now uh, also reject liverpool and go to chelsea so from from a chelsea perspective i think the one thing that's definitely more in chelsea's favor is the length of the contract that gives these guys a lot of certainty financial security if you can call it it is a bit young uh, for them to be doing this considering they're 21 and, and 19 this is the time they can take a chance and they're getting the opportunity to play in europe with liverpool uh, apart from that honestly i don't think we would be such great paymasters because the, these guys aren't a lukaku or someone that they'll end up getting a 300k pay packet anyway i think that's those are days of the past right now the current regime is quite a lot into performance based uh, salary metrics so i'm i'm not so sure uh, if apart from the contract length anything else makes it unless it's the project that's appealing to them i don't see in this particular case it's for me it it comes down to just pure incompetence um i ended last episode like almost going on a little bit of a mini rant slash worry about how things are so disorganized and how i've never seen liverpool in this kind of situation where some saudi clubs randomly come in and then throw our entire season into turmoil i i was I, i listening back to the episode i thought i was a little over the top in how negative i was being uh and then the next day they kind of go, went and agreed the caicedo fee right uh when that happened i was like oh so this is what they were planning maybe this is what they were planning and that's why they were so tentative in the 
but having seen how this week has gone gone out the the sheer incompetence of those calling the shots at liverpool is just i think if anybody wanted an advertisement for why you need a technical director sporting director director of football all of that and not somebody who's just loaned in at the last minute for a three month stint uh it, it's just watching liverpool this this transfer season just just go back a month or maybe a month and a half ago and we signed sabozlai mcallister early we were all talking about wow liverpool have got their job done nice and early before even pre-season has started amazing efficient typical liverpool that seemed like the kind of moves that we were making when we had already closed it 6 months ago we had already made the decisions made the discussions been in touch with the teams probably the players closed on personal terms all of that was done probably months ago and as soon as the summer came about we were just making decisions on do we want to get sobozlai or do we want to get uh, kefren turam but both were we were talking to and both we were ready with and those were executed seamlessly typical liverpool the moment something came up that we didn't expect which is the fabinho and henderson transfer absolute deer in headlights now let's 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 think about what's happened here so we've we've been talking to lavia for the entire summer we've we've more we've pretty much agreed personal terms with him that that's that has been reported and you guys know i don't really care about that whole personal t- terms bullshit but this is the first time this week is the first time where it mentioned because we've actually closed personal terms with a guy we've been talking to that team for weeks like 3 weeks 4 weeks and we've not moved on that we've been budging on 1 million 2 million 3 million here and there out of nowhere we come up with a 110 million bid for somebody else and we haven't even spoken to the player it was just pure deer in headlights behavior and it is that so kaisedo was never even thinking about liverpool as a destination he's agreed on a contract with chelsea months ago in may is what they were reporting he just suddenly sees a bid and he think like obviously i can understand why he's like okay this is not at all what i've thought about i've already agreed to go to chelsea so i this is something i'm not going to consider and at the same time it's now been reported that lavia accepted liverpool's offer but then felt second choice so i i mean it's just by that one bid of caicedo where they had maybe 10% chances of signing him we we screwed lavia as well so i don't think that chelsea's project or chelsea's wage offering would have been anything different than what he they would have got at liverpool i think caicedo was never going to come to liverpool it was very stupid we made a, we took a gamble which just did not pay off and then we ended up losing a guy who was basically had booked an uber all the way to anfield already and we lost that guy as well and we're sitting now we're sitting ducks right now everybody knows we have the money everybody knows that we're desperate so i'm i'm just absolutely i'm shocked gobsmacked about how this transfer window has gone liverpool who has been probably the best team when it comes to handling transfers being in the market the not giving up a position of power in the last 5 years to now look like sitting ducks like this in the market i'm i'm absolutely shocked i i i i know we'll get something done but now everybody knows that we've really embarrassed ourselves we've been like we've behaved like a real amateur club in this transfer window my favorite meme of you know this whole thing is uh, klopp standing on the touchline you know during the warm up and he's uh, like hands in pockets staring across the field and lavia kaisedo warming up so that was my favorite meme I, i don't know what you guys remember you know it, 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 it like so many good memes that came out but you know having uh, said that about chelsea's you know such huge transfers on like deep lying midfielders and stuff i was reading that you know after all the amortization and everything uh, uh, you know chelsea are still 
even if we just consider the players that they have signed in 2023 they are still at a 10 million pounds loss when you do a plus minus of the amortization and the sales and last two years i think they have had losses above 100 million pounds i, I somehow uh, swag don't see you know how this is really ending uh, in a way that you know chelsea will be there within the three year kind of 90 million pounds or whatever it is so 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 let's differentiate one ffp requirement is the uefa requirement which is where all this uh, bully style amortization of eight years etc was cut down this summer where they said no you can amortize only up to f- within five years you cannot amortize over eight years the premier league still allows amortization over the entire contract length which is still going to be something like eight years or so having said that as uh, multiple sources have been reporting it's like 65 million or uh, in the bank or 10 million under etc etc so so all that is fine i see basically two situations one we've signed tons of players a few of whom will turn out to be duds and will potentially be sold on to other clubs next summer like we've been selling our academy players and and make making this a going concern the which is why you have all these 17 18 year old kids who are coming into the chelsea group per se and going to Strasbourg on loan or going elsewhere on loan. The other is that Boli sees this that okay I'm getting my own squad in which still doesn't have a number one keeper despite having spent one billion pounds. Uh, I know that hopefully I should get back into the Champions League spots this uh, this season and most likely I will get a ban for a couple of windows but I've basically signed two or three levels so so it'll be okay I'll, I'll have to manage from what i have i have three keepers who i'm hoping will come up to speed and become number one keepers etc etc so these are the only two situations how i see this playing out so either we sell we continue to sell the players next season as well and getting something like 100 150 million in outlay which keeps balancing this amortization out otherwise uh yeah we need success on the pitch asap yeah, so that's um, there's an article on Athletic which talks about uh, what Chelsea are potentially doing. See, they have a 120 and 145 million loss in the last two years that they've reported. So if they were in Europe, they're not meeting FFB. There is one thing which I don't completely understand, which is the they have a... Um, I think the Premier League allows clubs to write off COVID losses and you, if you're talking about a three-year period, then this is the third and final year um, that you can do. So maybe there's something there where some of their past losses are getting written off. I read somewhere that they're, they're devaluing the players that they had signed last season and the season before that and stuff already in their books and writing off the losses and stuff like that. So maybe maybe that's something. But the, the crux of the matter is what Swag said at the end. They have to be successful on the pitch. I think... And they're also going to, they're, they're doing this real high risk buy and sell kind of policy that some of the top selling clubs in Europe do like Leipzig and uh, some of the Portuguese clubs and stuff like that, except that Chelsea is doing it at a much larger scale. They've actually bought for a 900 million or a billion pounds and then they're looking to sell and make make accounting profits on those. Whatever said and done at the end of the day, as per what has been amortized already, we're talking about 100 million a year, at least that's in the books. So if they don't have successful signings if they don't have successful on-pitch seasons they don't have much room to replace these with now more expensive players as well so that's where they they might get stuck that if they don't deliver this year if they don't make the champions league this year or if their transfers 
a lot of them turn out to be duds, not a lot of them, but some of them, then replacing them is not going to be as straightforward as it has been in the last four windows. Where if I think this cannot continue. We're talking about almost two years worth of revenue um, of of Chelsea's revenue just spent on transfers. Of course, now it won't be accounted all for in two years. It'll be accounted for over eight years, but still, it's still no other club is doing it. So that tells you that it can't be happy-go-lucky, no-risk kind of strategy. Now, the exact nuances of this, I'm sure the billionaires who have now flown down to London are, I think, John Henry is gone to Arsenal and gone to United and gathering the the jackals to um, uh, just start complaining to the Premier League about Chelsea to try and figure out what the hell is going on. I'm sure they'll get to the bottom of it. But it definitely looks like a very risky strategy, which is extremely dependent on them doing well this year. Arkit, Arkit, that's the that's the long answer to your question. The short answer is they're fucking cooking the books. <laughs> These Chelsea buggers have been doing this since 2004. So, they'll so I, I actually had a question. I had a question for Swag on that. Cooking the books is like, so it seems most obvious to me that there's something that cannot be possibly right going on here. But Swag, yeah, Clear yeah. Lake is a, Clear Lake is running the, uh, the club and they have a reputation of being like a, an investment firm, right? Like, so how this this doesn't add up. It doesn't look like some bully, crazy guy doing whatever he wants. Clear Lake is actually running things, right? So how yeah. how is this happening? To to be honest, I'm, I'm as, as before <laughs> as, as you guys are. You remember? I mean, I I was when I was driving over on the weekend, and I was like, we've bid for Caicedo and Lavia, and we've 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 not bid hundred million. We bid hundred and fifteen million. Because because Boli and Ekbali have flown down to London to take care of the negotiations themselves. Like I don't even know. I honestly I don't know. Yeah. I think I think this is a movie that's three years in the making, and this is only the first year, and only at the end of the third year we'll be like, ah, okay, so this is what's what is going on, or which which is most likely going to end up with us flouting FFP. Okay, so moving on to another of the clubs that were part of the Super League at one point of time and had. Um, had American owners and also have American owners still is uh, Man United. I think the performance of uh, the game wasn't too much to write home about. Mason Mount got a bit abused on social media. His brother had to come to his rescue. Uh, But I think there was only one talking point that came out of this, which was the WWE style flattening of a 6'4 or 6'5 inch man in, in the Wolves striker Kaladzic by Onana. Was it a penalty? Was it not a penalty? I think we won't go into too much into that because I think all the panel here is agreed that it was one. But I think the, the the discussion we had last season still remains that there is absolutely no consistency in the application of the rules by the referees. Before we come to the penalty, I, I, I'll just talk about the performance because like all our viewers would remember how optimistic all the United fans were. So, you know, coming from that level, <laughs> you know, this was like a real, uh, you know, blow of a reality check uh, for, I think, most of us. Uh, I, I, I think uh, rather than panicking too much, there were some uh, things to be really concerned about. But it it seemed to me like a, you know, like a real intensity issue where we just came onto the pitch with low intensity and a lot of the issues stemmed from the fact that, you know, we were pretty flat. So, for example, build up a lot of the uh, like commentators and experts were talking about 
how wolves had choked the middle part of the page and how they didn't allow us to build up and that kind of made us you know panic a bit and stay at the back and be too conservative but i think that was more to do while all that was true it was more to do with united being very sluggish and very very slow in moving the ball lot of players had off games including you know very consistent players like casemiro lisandro even they had a had a really poor game except for varan i think uh, i can't name any player who really you know scored more than 6 out of 10 uh, there was also like one thing on the ball was that uh, we were really lacking a focal point and we were also lacking runs in behind so we were constantly looking for uh, to to pass through wolves and when that wasn't possible we weren't really looking for something that we were we are really strong at which is trying to pass balls in behind rashford wasn't really making a lot of those focal runs where you know he comes deep and he's able to pick the ball up and cause problems so that was again something that you know probably i you know i was talking about hoyland maybe needing two three months to bed in but he might have to start coming in as soon as he's fit so that's where we are in terms of uh number 9 depth uh so uh, and also i think uh, in terms of the midfield battle we lost a lot of duels uh, all across the pitch in fact not just in midfield that was again to do with the intensity i think that i think that part is something which will be rectified what i think may not be rectified easily and which we really need to focus on is once we lose the first phase of pressure and once teams start to break uh we really need to get the two eights mount and bruno to really support casemiro that wasn't happening at all we had too many midfield runners kind of swamping casemiro however good a player you are you can't deal with two or three runners at the same time and our defensive line was too deep i thought with onana in the team the first thing i thought was that our defensive line would naturally go higher that didn't happen that is also something i expect us to improve especially after the lens game which gave a lot of us so much optimism and we saw those kind of things happening but yeah the main you know uh, thing that i will carry out from uh, carry away from those matches that how the midfield can support casemiro much more that's the main thing that united have to improve on yeah uh, and i think swag you mentioned about mason mount as well uh, he tanag wanted him because obviously he wanted that uh, attacking kind of an aid was able to pressure in early what that led to is that it's it's obviously a high risk high reward kind of a maneuver right like him attacking early also leaves this gaping hole behind bruno and uh, and, and himself right so casemiro has a lot more to cover and even though he's a world class class midfielder he is 31 years of age right let's not forget that he's not like 25 26 anymore that he's able to cover that much distance so i think mount will have to come back to support him as well because He he just can't be a one-trick pony. Like he can't just be going forward. He can't just be pressing. So I think he definitely deserves the brick badge that he got uh, on on social media. Um, I think one thing that we did really well is, and you got to give the defenders a bit of credit on this, is we were really good as far as our blocking game is concerned. Uh, the number of shots that Wolves had that were blocked were just insane. And Onana made some really good saves as well. so uh, i think kudos to him for that of course we would be discussing the penalty because it was a clear cut penalty uh, i was just joking in the group um, i think i posted i posted in the group uh, when 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 that penalty incident happened that it could have gone either ways and the, i i remember i think one of you lost their shit and you were like how is that not a penalty and uh, there there were articles uh, floating around and uh, uh, from and, and you know shares from other united fans saying that you know that 
those sort of things have not been given before but come on he literally like clobbered into the, the forward like he he had no intention of getting the ball he just wanted to hurt him like that's how i saw it and the testimony to that is you know the 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 referees uh, after the game actually apologized for it and they have been taken off the panel for the for the next set of games so that just goes to show it was a penalty so i think a lucky reprieve for 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 us uh you know two months down the line we'll just be talking about the three points that we got so i think it was important to get those three points uh i think the the performance will improve ten hag will instill some of the policy philosophy that he has in mind uh but it was important to get the three points and that's what we got yeah so um it definitely was a penalty and i'm happy that somebody is hold i think we ended last season's podcast the season by talking about what we're looking forward to or what we want to see differently in the next season and i think rk talked about refereeing and i talked about it as well um that just want to see we've talked about refereeing too much and the inconsistency of application is something that's just really annoying um i there's another one that happened in this weekend it was in the liverpool chelsea game the diaz header which was going on goal and i think it was colwell or it was someone else but it was a handball oh no it was jackson so it was a handball and his hands were facing up and it was at the side obviously because it was a i'm going to say half a yard between the deflection of diaz and the player that was not given as a penalty which because it was very clearly accidental however we have seen those given in the past we have seen such accidental hands in weird position penalties given in the past that is one thing i'm going to keep my eye on as well the consistency of this i i really feel like that was not a penalty the jackson one and it shouldn't be given because it's there's really nothing you can do in that situation there's the brighton luton game luton's penalty also was a guy sliding in falling down and his backhand which he was not even he was not even looking at the ball and his backhand which was off his body and on the way down to to shield his fall the ball hit that hand and the penalty was given and they ended up scoring there was more distance of course than the jackson one but again there's i'm i'm finding it hard to reconcile what is accidental what is not accidental what is acceptable to referees to give what is not uh we saw some really dubious red cards given last season of some somebody going over the ball and getting cla- clattering into somebody's legs we saw those same ones being called a me- uh, called an error and being given a yellow i think that's the frustrating thing as fans i i want to see the keepers get punished if they just fly into people i want to see accidental ones not given but most of all i want to see these refs held accountable there's this bullshit argument that people were saying that if you if you put too much pressure on the refs then they are the most uh, you know they are most under pressure people in football what they are the ones that hold everything together between uh, like even things like oh if if they are on the wrong side of things then maybe there'll be more match like match fixing and stuff that's a bullshit argument man like at the end of the day or at the highest level if somebody is not doing a good job i'm sure there are plenty of other people who are capable of taking up their job and you should hold people accountable for for being shit uh, so yeah happy that somebody called out that this this was a mistake and that the team has not been given uh, a go for next week that's a start i want to see how people what the var reacts like the next time something similar happens i think uh, the the punishment or any kind of suspension uh, should go for var because referees 
you know players make mistakes and you know they get to play the next game referees also there should be something like a performance rating probably rather than going on one match but for var because they have the power of review they don't take instant decisions they can take the time and give their call i think it's it's uh, it's their prerogative to always uh, you know be right or at least avoid really silly mistakes like how they did with the onana goal and the second thing of course is consistency right and we'll keep coming that back to that because even in the same weekend tottenham i think uh, vicario had a similar issue he like he didn't get punished you had jose sar doing it last season uh, what onana did he didn't get punished and uh, you know i shared that clip on the group as well where antony i think uh, had a legitimate shout for a penalty and that was not even discussed i i, I think he was maybe not clobbered is the wrong word i used but he was definitely you know shoved off the ball it uh, like there was contact and we didn't see and it's it's a very similar kind of offense so i don't know uh, you know when we will kind of see any kind of consistency on that yeah i i wonder if uh, we will be able to add referees to our fpl squads with like expected errors and things like these giving us points on on that note um, how did your first game week go i think in fpl everyone had haland as captain and that worked out pretty well for everyone but uh, apart from that what's what's the key takeaway bloody sucks man like i've not played fpl in a few years now and i came out after after the first day of the weekend i'm on 58 points and i'm feeling like oh yeah <laughs> killing it i was like 14th in a 20 man league like and i finished i finished on 16th or something with some 70 plus points what the hell is this fpl now i think haland is just like like ruined the game uh, i i was one of those idiots who did not captain palin but i did captain saka instead thinking that he had an easier game uh but yeah i ended up with 76 points which is okay uh, I, i i guess but yeah halen uh, man he's a cheat code you just need to captain him i, I think i remember i remember one of the game weeks last time round when i did not captain him i think that was against united and he ended up with a hat trick so i have learned my lesson from then if halen is not walking around with a crutch he's the captain of my team and so others think like 90% of players uh, have uh, him in the team uh, on that note uh, any listeners wishing to join in our league are more than welcome to do so we already have around 20 people as radha said uh, interestingly someone in the league has maguire in their team i i wonder uh, if it's a united fan trying to jinx their team into action just just like our esteemed united fans on the pod a quick shout out last week we called out a few people to put in your fpl teams just looking around estupinian i think was one that we discussed he did well uh, he looked really good as well M- mitoma was another he came up with an assist and some oh, absolutely brilliant skill uh, for the goal that they eventually scored he didn't get credited credited with an assist for because it was a penalty but some amazing skill there he was another one watkins with an assist uh, umbuemo as a midfielder also a penalty taker and playing as a striker ended up scoring a goal So yeah I think a lot of the shout outs that we gave on the pod uh, doing pretty well so good start to the FPL season for Tokitaka I'd say Mhm indeed another of those shouts would be Alexander Isak also mentioned in the Toki points 
and it was an extremely professional performance by Newcastle against uh, Aston Villa, another of those teams who were being expected to be among the top halves and, and very few goals conceded under Unai Emery last season since he took over and they were smashed and grabbed completely by Newcastle and uh, I think two substitutes also scoring. Uh, Newcastle looking good, at least right now when the Champions League hasn't started. Hey, I'm the guy who called... Uh... How is the potential first sacking of the season? So, uh, yeah, that was a that was not a great start uh, from a prediction point of view. Uh, absolutely thrashed Villa. To be fair, Villa were crap. I think it's I think all the things that RK said about United, I think apply to Villa as well. So uh, they just started off a little slow. The pace was off. It, they looked like the physicality was just not there. The la- the last goal, the fourth goal that ba- um, Harvey Barnes scored. I mean, if you guys haven't seen it, you should just rewatch it. Like schoolboy level shit. Uh, just a bunch of scared defenders waiting on the halfway line, not knowing whether to go to the defender or to run to the other side of the halfway line. Just hilarious stuff. And Harvey Barnes ran in and scored. Yeah, Newcastle looked good. I think Villa looked uh, shite. After all the money that has been spent on, you know, we have seen some. Uh, really abhorrent fees, uh, you know, with 115 million, 105 million. Sandro Tonali in that match looked like a real, uh, like kind of value for money, a real steal at that price, 60 million uh, pounds. I think he really ran the show. The goal was, uh, you know, somewhere, you know, running into the box, uh, you know, being able to make good movements uh, and scoring. So I think all round, uh, you know, box to box play, I think Tonali was uh, really uh, like, uh, uh, I had not really seen him play before he made his debut in the Premier League. So, uh, he really looks like a step-up. I thought, uh, like a lot of the signings that Newcastle made, very good signings, but will not allow them to make the step-up. And probably that's why a lot of us didn't even go for them. Barely anyone of us, you know, went for them in the top four. But uh, uh, looking at this performance, what is for sure is that, you know, the whole team, I think, whatever they built last season still holds true in terms of their intensity, how they play the game, the, the you know the pressing they do, the speed at which they play. Uh, of course, uh, all our concerns stem from them playing twice a week. That's not going to happen till the first international break. So I still hold on to those predictions, but really, really, you know, good performance from Newcastle. Um, their uh, opponents in game week two, Manchester City, the current champions. They looked like they never left. It was all as expected. Everything was going fine, apart from the fact that Rodri had to play like another 90 minutes and um, even had to start contributing to goals because KDB is uh, off injured. I think uh, that's probably the key talking point for me from this game, that uh, we'll likely not see KDB before the turn of the year and how that impacts things going forward. I see this is the 16th of August, so we've got around 15 days. Lucas Paqueta might be about to hand West Ham tons of money more, maybe even more than Declan Rice did. You know, one thing for all you guys, captaining Haaland and, you know, you talk, you talk so much about him, but like this game represented the end of a really lean patch. Uh, I, last nine games, one goal. So, finally, Haaland is back to goal-scoring touch. Of course, now you can captain him from now onwards. I think they must have they must have already won the league by then. Maybe that's why he wasn't scoring. Um, I actually I actually didn't think City were great. Um, I thought... I was expecting... A, of all the new teams that I had not seen before, I was expecting more from Burnley. I heard so much about their style of play, their, their ability to 
keep the ball and play teams off the park i didn't see much adventure i didn't see much uh, aggression from burnley from an attacking sense aggression not the stoke city type of aggression but um, wasn't very impressed with uh, either of the teams in that game haland uh, second goal just shows you it's a little bit of a cheat code like ball comes to him first touch from an angle not very close by just unsavable shot uh, yeah they'll still score these goals and they'll win these games without much effort but they didn't really look great if you ask me what did you guys think of you know pep at half time i really thought he was putting on a really really like mean act like you, you know if you're going to reach the dressing room in a one minute i i don't see anything other than trying to show you know show off in front of the cameras going to haland and scolding him one one real big show of that boldies and pushing the camera away it was proper drama but it was so typical pep right it was such a pep thing to do like uh he he's over the top in most of these things so yeah, i was watching that i'm like what is happening this looks so cringe but yeah it is it is a classic pep thing to do right like he did that he has done that previously as well he he's a very weird kind of a person that way is because mostly uh, like almost like an anti jose because jose would probably not do that on the field he would do that with the press right like whereas like usually Pep Guardiola press conferences aren't, aren't like full of emotions and like you don't he doesn't really give out much controversial moments there. But I think that was an interesting one. He did come uh, come out and clarify, you know, exactly why he did that. Uh, apparently, he wasn't happy with the fact that Haaland was asking for the ball constantly. Uh, I think it was Bernardo Silva who did not pass to him at that point in time. And basically, Pep Guardiola was saying that you know we need to pass more and it's not like. he will always get the ball so it's in his philosophy and maybe maybe that's what he that's what he wanted to show uh, probably should have done it in the dressing room if if you were to ask me uh, but just going back to radha's point about burnley uh, i think it is a team that even i was looking forward to the most uh, at least from 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 the teams that have qualified from the from the championship uh, playing city first game is probably not the, not the game that you want to play right so i think the jury is definitely still out on that uh, i think city will definitely struggle with kevin de bruyne gone now uh, we were discussing in the previous spot that they probably look a bit weaker than you know what the squad that they had last year no mares no um, gundogan as well but you know city um, they they would probably spend in, spend in that 100 million get a replacement and everything will be fine so Uh, let's see how it goes but at least the first game they weren't the most convincing team uh, that we are used to seeing in the league i think um, haland was being shouted at for bernardo silva by pep because pep knew that kdb was out so he needs all the midfielders that he can carry on without having to acquire more from outside uh, but on that note uh, apart from lucas paqueta any other interesting moves that are catching your fancy i mean ashwin is obviously ashwin and rk are uh, both pissed about uh, harry maguire not going he had great terms or talking about ins or outs because <laughs> the only transfer that i'm concerned about is harry maguire fucking off from man united man there's a lot of hate there's a lot of hate on the group for harry maguire i really i mean i i when i was reading all of that i felt like maguire has you know gone to a bar somewhere and smashed some man united players and come out uh, that you know he settled united were willing to give him 6 million as compensation is what i read when 
you know he got the deal done to west ham and that also wasn't enough he's asking for much more to cover up the wage deficit that somehow even the 6 million didn't make sense at all to me i don't understand why you know if a player decides that he has to leave he should do it on on the terms which have been offered to him I, the, the like the selling club should never have to pay money because it it just you know nonsensical thing for me i have never seen the likes of it happen before maybe you guys can correct me here that's where a lot of united fans are you know really angry with this move uh, we also know that he is not suited to the style of play which is required so he is basically a non value add in the team he's a good player but he's not really suited he's not going to help us uh, that much so we need to sell him and get a replacement even more important than maguire i would say is the midfielders uh, you know uh, to be sold uh, mainly van der beek and mctominay so a lot of the optimism that we had last week was because at that point in time van der beek's exit was really close uh, mctominay was still looking close maguire was kind of done so a lot of us were expecting you know 60 70 million pounds fred was about to be you know get done so with 60 to 80 million pounds in the bank we were really you know uh, uh, hoping that one center back and amrabat or someone you know joins a lot of that optimism has just uh, you know blown up into smoke of the last 7 days so united fans really looking forward to more exits i for one would be really happy if mctominay leaves he's coming on for 5 minutes those are the exactly the kind of players that we need to sell we should not be looking out for 45 million 40 million i think i think that's another blunder by united recently we have to be able to get you know decent value uh, and and look at you know what we can do in the short term so i think yeah uh, uh, ashwin was right united fans are looking at outgoings at the moment yeah i not on the same page as you like your your take on maguire i think at the end of the day he's got a contract if somebody is going to come and offer him a lower wage i see no reason why a professional would take a significantly lower wage is different if it was fulfilling some ambition but it's west ham at the end of the day uh, and from all practical purposes it seems like he wants to play for united as well now it's a different thing that the manager doesn't really rate him that much or the fans don't rate him that much but i mean if at the end of the day the 190k wage he's on is probably proving to be the 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 blocker and it's not his it's not that he paid himself that wage so somebody's given him that wage so if that's a problem then and if you're not able to find a club who can make a suitable offer then just keep him let him let him be at fourth choice and fifth choice and and move on um but uh, swag coming to your your question i think jeremy doku is an interesting one um i think both jeremy doku and paqueta are not people that i expected city to be in the market for uh i if if i remember right the last euros uh, maybe in 2018 I, i don't remember when the last euros were uh when for belgium jeremy doku jeremy doku was lighting it up and we were all really excited about him but like 4 5 years later um i haven't read too much about him in the last few years so i'm actually surprised that he is who city are um targeting to to play on the wings that's that's a surprising one uh personally from a liverpool standpoint i think dukure is somebody from crystal palace that we are linked with but also again one of the first names we were linked with in the window was graven birch and i think we're linked with him again now yeah obviously because everybody else has been signed um i'm not going to say any names publicly just in case somebody from chelsea is listening and then decides to buy them as well but yeah graven birch and uh, dukure and a uh, few others have been linked six people apparently on the shortlist 
I'm also now now that we are not doing Casera, I really hope we have some money saved up to buy a left-sided center back. So if we can close with a, a CDM and a left-sided center back, minus all the embarrassment of the amateur behavior that we've had this window, I think it will be a successful move. Yeah, I'm not going to hazard any names for any further incomings at Chelsea. Frankly, I think it's getting a bit embarrassing with the number of players we've signed. Uh, we shall see. Are, but are I think you, are you are you going to sign Olise as well? I think that one was uh, that one was under consideration for a long time. He's, so I'm not going to take this as a... <laughs> he's only considering after <laughs> Lavia and Olise. He's not going to bring up bring up any more names. Do look at Swagat. He's just wiping off his tears of embarrassment with hundred dollar bills. I, and I think there will be a goalkeeper signing as well. Is is what I expect, considering that Kepa has right. left the of club course. to go to Madrid. So we. It's only need... Reese James. Reese James linked out. You want to sign a right back as well? It's, uh... <laughs> we already have one. Malo Gusto, bad meal. Up <laughs> is not here, but uh, he was, uh, you know, really ranting on social media and on WhatsApp about, uh, you know. Chelsea getting stranded with all the player signings that they have made and they allow a keeper to go on loan, leaving, I think, just one senior keeper at the club. So, if if Av had been here, he would have, he would have I think, in his very right. uncle way, given, given his opinion on that. Yeah, he would have been extremely disappointed, which which is fair because consider this, you've got Kepa, who we've been reading during pre-season that, okay, Poch is happy with him as the starting uh, goalkeeper, even though his performances during preseason also were like, okay, this is the same guy from last season. Change of manager hasn't changed anything within him. Then you hear that, okay, Rob, uh, Sanchez is coming in, so okay, he can challenge him for that spot, but potentially to start off as a number two, and if, if his performance is warranted, that he becomes number one. Sanchez comes in. A couple of days later, uh, Gabby Slonina, who's our uh, US uh, keeper and touted to be one of the next big things in a few years he's again one of those youngsters who's like 18 or 19 he goes out on loan because Sanchez is here now then two days after that Kepa also goes out so now we only have Sanchez who's just come to the club seven days ago and now basically um, I think we're going to play West Ham this weekend and we'll basically play a Brighton 11 because Marco Kukurela will be in because Kaisedo said in his unveiling video that, yeah, yeah, I know Kukurela. He's a very funny guy. So, get Sanchez in, get Kukurela in, get Colville in, Kaisedo in, all the Brighton exposure fellows so that they can have some sort of cohesion within themselves. Now would be a good time to sign that uh, Graham Potter, right? Like you, I think he'd be a good manager to have in this world. Yeah, and ex- and change him with uh, Deserby after six months. I guess that's the only thing that's left. Apparently, Brighton's Twitter account was uh, suspended in the morning, and someone said Boli must have bought that as well. <laughs> but anyway, moving on uh, to this. Uh, Upcoming game week, uh, some of the key games to look forward to. We've got uh, City and Newcastle, two of the teams that got three points in the first game week going up against each other. So, we've got Haaland and Isaac coming up against each other, which basically cancels out my draft points because Isaac is unlikely to get anything against City. But um, apart from that, uh, how do you see this game panning out? I actually think it's, it's it's up there for the taking, if you ask me. Um, City are going to be they're, they're going to be in between systems now that KDB is out um, and I think Newcastle will be on a high 
Isaac's on a, on a roll. Callum Wilson also scored off the bench. So uh, things are looking good for them. Uh, Tonali and uh, Bruno. Uh, Tonali is look great. Bruno, we already know, is great. Um, so yeah, I think in from in the immediate term, I think they have a good chance. I still don't think City, oh, sorry, Newcastle. Have, I don't know whether they'll have the legs to to take the whole season uh, and and finish in the top four. But in a one-off in this week against the City, who has just lost KDB, I think it's up there as good a chance as there is against City. Let's call it. Let's put it that. I think after that 5-1, Newcastle will slightly come back to earth in this game because uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's at the Etihad. So, I expect City to still put up a performance, still be solid enough to, you know, deny Newcastle those space on the counters. It will be a close game. It will be very interesting to watch what what new things we get to learn, especially uh, about Newcastle. Newcastle are, are a big threat as long as the one once a week, you know, thing goes on. So, definitely City have to be on their toes, have to produce their best game. But I think City will kind of shade this is what I feel. Definitely the game to, other game to watch out for is Tottenham Hotspur versus Manchester United. This one should be an interesting one. Uh, one new manager, one new lineup, uh, lots of scrutiny for both teams. Um, what's your thought on this? And RK, it's just one game week. You've got three points. Please don't go all jinxy for us this early in the season. You know, you do feel a bit insulted uh, or insulting your club if you try to jinx against Spurs because after all, boys, it's Spurs. So, you know, let's let's hope that United do put up a good show. I had, you know, very valid reasons. A lot of us had valid reasons for being optimistic going into the season. Just hoping that a lot of the very basic issues get rectified and, you know, uh, that we come back the most, uh, you know, the... Like the biggest thing I want to see is that we start with intensity. That's something that Ten Hag and his coaching staff need to work on a lot and maybe learn from some of the best clubs like Arsenal, for example, or City, who always, you know, consistently start games well and then go on from there. I think that's something that we really need to learn. Uh, Spurs showed some good things. They had good position. A lot of the signings from last year, like Bisuma did well. Uh, so, so, and you know, they are also going into this whole modern concept of having inverted fullbacks, trying to create box midfields and trying to dominate positions. So, it, it's it's definitely going to be a much tougher visit than, you know, what we were used to probably under Conte, uh, you know. But but uh, having said that, I, I still expect United to improve a lot from last week. One more thing that United have to be very careful about and improve on is the physicality. I feel that with the makeup of the team right now, you know, the likes of Anthony, uh, Mount, Bruno, Garnacho, we are not the best in terms of physicality at the moment. That is something that we have to make up for in terms of, you know, getting intensity. I think I think if we play the way we did against Wolves, we'll definitely lose this game. So we need we need to we need to def- we need to have a game similar to how, how we had against Spurs when we last played them. I think it was one of the best Ten Hag performances I've ever seen. Although that that game was clouded by the fact that Cristiano Ronaldo threw a tantrum, but um, I think I think we definitely need that intensity back. We definitely need the likes of Mount to uh, stand up, uh, Bruno to play a bit bit better as well. I was really happy with how Sancho actually played in the last game. I know it was a cameo of the bench, but uh, it's good to see see you know uh, such performances. So yeah, for the likes of Garnacho, Anthony. 
Bruno Mount really have to step up and we can't be playing the line that we were playing and that shape that we are playing against Wolves with. We definitely need to step up on top of it. I think fresh legs is what you guys are talking about. So, uh, Maguire and a Johnny Evans back too. Uh, I think that sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, as a, against against the likes of Madison, I don't I don't like the sound of I have to say I have a yeah I have a small I have a small like I just want to see Maguire and Johnny Evans tag team for one game this season. Just put them in for thirty minutes and then take them off. I'm fine, but I just want to see them partner with each other for one game for United. <laughs> They, they they call call us, when United are losing 7-0 to Liverpool at Anfield and we have to buy them in the last 20 minutes. Johnny haven't, you, haven't you heard that Maguire is going to play for Real Madrid B team? Somebody somebody shared a, a fake Twitter news handle on our, on our group and everybody fell for it. Um, just one uh, quick one. I'm looking forward to Villa versus Everton. I think Villa are going to bounce back. And uh, we didn't talk about any of the potential relegation teams, but uh, I think Everton and Luton are just absolutely bang on the money in terms of our predictions. It was actually really funny to see the Luton manager's press conference after. First of all, he had lost his voice, so he sounded like a cartoon character. But uh, apart from that, he was just so, everything was so smiley. They just got, they got thrashed and it was all, everything was nice fun. And uh, he said that he had to come out and face the the reports after losing a game. Everything looked very like, hey, it's just so nice to be here. I think Luton is going to be one of those teams that after every match, they'll be like, oh, they really tried hard. But at the end of the day, they didn't have the quality to, I think they're going to get trounced by a lot of teams and they lose a lot of close games as well. So, I mean, things can change. Of, of course, it's only week one. Everton also, my favorite guy, Neil Mopé, had at least a hat-trick uh, in, on the cards and ended up scoring zero. So, I, I just it's just hilarious to me that a team that needs badly needs goals, doesn't create too many chances, goes and signs one of the guys who's the worst of converting chances in the league. So, yeah, it was quite hilarious. I think Everton might end up being on the, on the wrong end of a Villar return. Yeah, and our listeners will know that I will not take any names for any teams to be relegated this early in the season. I will wait till at least half time. Another another little prediction, I think Bournemouth, I mean, now they've got a new manager and everything, but Bournemouth were the worst team of set pieces last year. Um, Sobozlai in pre-season has looked incredible off his corners. Even the handball discussion that we were having about Nicholas Jackson that came off a Sobozlai corner to Luis Diaz, something that has led to at least three goals in pre-season. In preseason, so I'm looking forward to some Sabozlai set piece action against Bournemouth through the weekend. Cool, cool. As Rob Edwards lost his voice, so did I, there, listener. So on that note, uh, there is a lot of interesting stuff to catch up on this weekend as the games start on Friday. We will keep you updated in next week's episode.